Hi, I'm Regina Boyd, licensed marriage and family therapist and licensed mental health counselor, and your host of the Connecting Out Loud podcast. Here we talk about connections with our families as they relate to our mental health and Catholic faith, all while connecting you with those you love the most. Thanks for joining me for this episode. Let's dive in. Do you know anyone who seems really in love? I mean, really, really in love. And then a few years later, you find out that they separated or divorced. How does that happen? There are a lot of reasons for this, but one common answer is this. They lose their connection. What started out as a strong emotional bond weakens over time until the couple can honestly say, I hardly know him or her, or I know nothing about her. If you want to know what you can do to keep your connection strong, healthy, romantic, and vibrant, this podcast and my whole career is all about strengthening relationships through authentic connection. I've been counseling couples for about 11 years now, and so many people come to me wanting help because they've lost their connection. What's going on? Everyone wants a strong relationship, but it's clearly not as simple as just wanting it. I want to help you bridge the gap and improve every relationship that is important to you. There's usually two big reasons or categories why that leads to people losing their connection. Those categories are priorities or time and complacency. Time involves busyness, schedules, kids being tired, exhausted, and complacency is just assuming everything is fine. You slowly drift apart. You just sort of don't really pay attention to what's happening in your relationship. And there's a lot of things that we tend to let go by the wayside and become complacent in these moments. Another thing that happens with minimal time or less time is you feel more distant. You feel like you're not known and you don't feel like you're being known by your partner. And in addition to the complacency piece, sometimes laziness and selfishness can cause that complacency. Sometimes it's easier to pay attention to our own individual needs and paying attention to our spouse's needs or our family member's needs. So you might ask, is this true of every type of relationship? a friend relationship, a romantic relationship, partners included? I would say yes. I think this can happen in any relationship, but it depends on the scale, right? The more serious and the more committed type of relationship you're in, the more impactful this type of dynamic is, the more impactful, the more important it is for you to maintain that healthy connection. But it's important for any relationship to have that healthy connection. By the way, if you're enjoying this show, make sure you subscribe so that you can keep listening to future episodes. So what are some solutions? How do we make sure that we maintain a connection and that we strengthen the connection that we already have in our relationships? First, I think you should schedule time together. We all make choices about how to spend our time, and it's really helpful to understand that there is a choice in how we spend our time. There is a decision-making process that happens even in our most busy moments. So those of us who might have a lot of activities going on, you were driving kids around to different activities, or you just feel incredibly overwhelmed, you're working full-time, you're bringing kids to different activities. A lot of you might think, Regina, that is impossible. 
Um, you don't know what you're talking about. You're saying that I need to make choices about my time, but I literally have zero time. And then on top of that, we have to maintain our house and all of those types of responsibilities. But I will appeal to you to please hear me out because there is a good chance that even in how busy you are, there are still choices you make of how to prioritize even the most busy family schedules. It's a very difficult choice to make, but if you're able to plan from the beginning of the day, reserve that willpower so that you are ready to go later in the day. You're going to have to choose to schedule a meeting, schedule a meeting with your partner and discuss what's important to you. Maybe you plan at the beginning of like a day and say, maybe you pick a day of the week and you say, this is going to be our evening that we spend together as a couple. This is our mini, mini date night. Maybe you go out, maybe you stay in. Or you just always stay in if it's a mini date night. Maybe you have a breakfast once a week. But something to plan. Um, I know couples who meet for breakfast after the kids are dropped off for school, you know, before they go to work. So there's lots of different opportunities. But the point is we have to find something that works for us. You have to find something that works for you. I know it's incredibly challenging and difficult. But the more that we can be intentional about scheduling them, because if we don't schedule, it's not going to happen. And that's where some of that complacency kicks in is assuming that, oh, well, we always have time. And I think a lot of couples get stuck in that belief and that rut because you see each other almost every day, basically, and you just assume, oh, yeah, we can plan that out whenever we'll get to that. And the reality is we don't actually ever get to it. And so you really have to make sure you plan and schedule the even if it seems like it's lacking spontaneity, even if it seems unromantic, you have to do it. Otherwise, it could slip by the wayside. The other really cool thing is thinking about the activities that you do together, either as a couple or as a family, or maybe chores that you happen to be responsible for, things you usually do on your own. Think about those activities. What is nourishing to you and what is depleting? What I know we all sort of have these chores that we don't really mind doing and some that we mind a little more than others. And so if there's an activity that is depleting for you, it's draining, you you really don't like doing it, you just wish anyone else in the world would be doing it besides you, maybe have a conversation with your spouse. Could there potentially be an opportunity for you to, to swap up responsibilities in a certain area? Maybe each of you is participating in a chore and responsible for a chore that neither of you like. And if you swapped, that could be something that's potentially more nourishing for you. Maybe you turn that chore into a combined type of responsibility. If you have the flexibility there in your schedule to be able to do it that way, maybe it could turn into a mini date or some type of fun way to accomplish a task together. Now, I know I'm stretching it a little bit, but go with me. And so there could be opportunities where you know, you're ironing clothes together, listening to music by candlelight, make it as romantic or fancy as you want to. (laughs) But anything that we can do and take advantage of those things that already have to get done, how can we make it into a nourishing activity for our relationship? Another really great thing to help with emotional distance is called love maps. What do I mean by love maps? Love maps are basically a way to have a you have mapped out in your mind the emotional and mental world of your partner, your beloved. And that can be anything from what are their biggest concerns at work right now at the moment? Who are their best friends? What's their favorite restaurant? 
And it's really just how much knowledge do you have about that inner world of your beloved? And so one really great way to counteract any potential emotional distance is to make sure that you're really knowledgeable about your partner's inner world and building out a strong, solid love map in your mind about them. And there's a lot of information you can find about love maps online. That can be something I provide in the show notes for you guys. (laughs) But uh, there's links and you can just search for love maps and... Those can be questions that you ask your beloved back and forth, and you can even turn it into a fun little game and see how well each of you scores on knowing the correct answer for your partner. So the more that you can be in tune and connected with one another, love maps are a great way to gauge how strong that connection is, and it can be a great way to decide if you should be paying more attention and being more intentional about the time you spend together. Because if you maybe don't score as highly as you thought you would or would have liked to, that could be a sign that, okay, now we need to be more intentional and start prioritizing our time together. So I want to leave you guys with a mental wellness tip that could be a fun family activity. It could be a fun couples activity that you can do. And it's a mindfulness activity. What do I mean when I say mindfulness? Mindfulness is the ability to slow your thoughts down and view your thoughts and emotions in an objective way. And there's lots of different practices you can engage in to help your mind and your body slow down to be able to do this more effectively. And one exercise that a lot of people use for mindful practices is called the raisin exercise. So it's an eating activity. And this could be a fun thing to do with kids or without kids. They call it the raisin test because they usually use a raisin for this activity, but you don't have to use raisins. You could use any type of food that you enjoy, a piece of chocolate, um, a meal. You could do it at mealtime or dinner time. But what people do during this exercise is they really slow the eating process down. And it helps us train our brains and our muscles to be really intentional. So if you were using a raisin, for example, you before you even eat or taste the raisin, you would take it, hold it in your hand, really focus on it gaze at it with full attention as if you were from another planet and you've never seen a raisin before in your life and you would just examine everything about it the way the light shines off of it the folds the ridges turning the raisin over in your fingers exploring its texture maybe you even do it with your eyes closed at times then you would eventually gradually progress to raising the raisin to your nose and seeing if you notice any sensations as you smell it then eventually bringing it to your lips, tasting it, you know, paying attention to the sensations of it in your mouth and noticing all of those things and so on. And so you can do this as you eat and you can talk about it with your beloved. You can talk about it with your family and being really slow about just taking one bite at a time, using your fork and knife as you cut through, uh, cut your food and eat it. You can put your fork and knife down And really enjoy and savor that one bite of food and then talk about it with your family and really get into it. I think it could be a really fun thing to do with kids and have everybody laughing and giggling about (laughs) how silly it is to seems to slow down and do that type of thing. But the goal of engaging in an exercise like this is one, becoming more aware of everything God is doing for you in your life and in your family. So being grateful for the meal in front of you, first of all, 
but then also being grateful for the gift of your family, your spouse, the people in your life. And the more that we can exercise this muscle and strengthen it and be able to be grateful for even something as seemingly small and mundane as a raisin, then certainly we're going to be more willing to be aware of what's happening in our relationships. And that's only going to help strengthen it. Plus, it's a fun, memorable activity to do. So that's one mental wellness tip, the mindfulness exercise, the raisin exercise. So try it out and let me know what you think. Okay, now we're going to take a mini Q&A session. So we have one question that I get asked quite a bit. And usually, more often than not, I get asked a question along the lines of, why don't they listen to me? Why does my spouse not listen to me when we're having a conversation. They just don't care. They don't want to hear what I have to say. And my response to that type of question is, it's not really that your beloved isn't intentionally not listening to you. They don't sit there and think, oh, let me ignore this person, you know, because they have nothing valuable to offer me. The reality is that they were not trained in listening skills, how to be an effective, active listener. And so they don't realize that they are communicating to you, whether it's non-verbally or verbally, they don't realize they're communicating to you signals about not listening. So one really helpful thing to do to try to avoid the appearance of not listening when you're having a conversation with your spouse first is to avoid interjecting your own thoughts. So a lot of times when we're in conversations, we have a tape running. And when somebody is speaking, we are automatically thinking about what we're going to say in response to that. So we need to cut that tape off and really get into a more curious mode. You want to ask questions in order to keep the conversation going. And the more that you can ask questions or a spouse can ask questions, that can convey a tone of listening. So if you've ever been accused of not listening to your partner, listen up. Here are some questions that you can ask. Questions kind of sound like this. Um, How was your day? (laughs) And as they tell you about their day, you might ask some questions like, what was that like for you to hear so-and-so at work say those things? You know, are you happy with how the conversation ended? Um, How do you feel about that? Is there anything you would have done differently in that situation? So any type of question you can ask to expound upon the story that somebody was telling you can be really helpful and convey a tone of listening that you want to hear more and you value what is being shared with you. And then again, avoiding formulating some type of response, some type of comment about, well, um, you know, certainly you can comment as long as it's on your beloved's behalf. Like, you know, oh my goodness, that must have been really hard. I can't believe they said that to you. You can make those type of responses, but not a response where you're giving some type of feedback about, you know, if you had, maybe if you had done this, it would have gone differently. Or maybe if you had shown up earlier, it wouldn't have turned out that way. So any type of thing that could come across as potentially critical We want to try to avoid that as well because, again, it doesn't give the message that I'm listening. It's more I'm trying to be, in our moments of trying to be helpful and offering a solution, sometimes the person sharing with us can feel a little bit slighted or not valued. And I would say this is a great tool, asking questions and avoiding interjecting a response or your own thoughts 
this is key if you are with someone in a relationship with someone who doesn't share a lot and who naturally is quiet and holds a lot in. This is a great way to get more insight into their interior life, to see more into their heart. So just use those tricks and see how it goes. If you have enjoyed this episode, you can find more Connecting Out Loud content on our Facebook and Instagram pages. As always, I appreciate each and every review. So if you can take some time to rate and review this show, I read each one and I love hearing from you. Be intentional and connect out loud.